The Discover College Soccer Podcast is sponsored by VO. VO is the number one AI camera solution helping players capture college recruitment videos. Check out their new starter and family options by clicking on the link in the description or visit Discover College Soccer to learn more. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Discover College Soccer. Today, I'm lucky enough to be joined by Coach Jan from Carnegie Mellon University in Pittsburgh. Welcome, Coach. Thank you. Yeah, thanks thanks for being here. Uh, We're talking here after Thanksgiving, uh, end of November. Unfortunately, uh, you're you're now done with your season, although a great season it was this year for sure. Um, So we're coming up on December 1st weekend. So are you going East Coast or West Coast on your recruiting visits? Because it looks like we've got we've got the the GA event in California and you got uh, the, a big event in in Raleigh. At a, I mean, you may not be going to either one, but in terms of are you hitting recruiting heavy now that the season's over? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, honestly, we don't miss a minute. You know, we uh, always plan it. We plan for the best, plan for the worst, you know, so. And obviously the worst being, being you know, getting knocked out of the tournament. Um, so we're dividing and conquering this uh, weekend. Chris was my my associate head coach. Chris, he was at the surf cup at Silver Lakes. Um, he stuck around for the week, and he's going to go to the GA event up at Norco, and then I will actually be in Tennessee this weekend uh, for the ECL event in Nashville. I even forgot that one. Yeah, you got yeah, ECL just- in, in Tennessee, and you got uh, Raleigh. So, um, so you guys are, uh, I'll, I'll say, a bit different um, on on a couple levels. One just from the academic standpoint, right? I mean, Carnegie Mellon is just, just an amazing academic institution. And then as, in terms of division three, you guys are, are, you know, just a top, top program. So are you just looking at 24s right now or is 24 pretty much wrapped up and you're looking at 25s kind of, what is your timeline uh, in terms of, of the recruiting cycles? Yeah. That's an excellent question. I mean, it is, we are fairly unique in many ways, like you said, um, so we, we're done with the class 24. Uh, we typically wrap up in the summer um, as best we can. Uh, but we sometimes we'll pick up a late player for you know, a variety of reasons. Uh, but again, typically we're done in the summer. So we will finish the class of 25. That's actually what we're focusing on now. And we'll still watch 26s and 27s that write to us. It's always funny when uh, I get a, even eighth graders. I always want to be an electrical engineer. I'm like, really? And as an eighth grader, always. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, so we'll again be focusing on 25, but we'll watch 26 and 27s over the next year, and we will same timeline more or less wrap up next summer in July for the class 25 after our camps. And then a lot of that is actually academic more than athletic. Um, it's at that time we can get some feedback from admissions, nothing set in stone, but feedback from admissions on how we can progress with a player at that point. And it is at that point that usually have the end of the year grades from their junior year, so a completed transcript through junior and then their senior classes which i need to have to make sure that what they want to major in will be the right fit okay well you mentioned camps do you guys do your own id camps do you your staff work other camps how important are they in your overall recruiting process um chris will get out and do more camps he'll he's 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 the hustler um but you know he's great he's such a great face for the program he's just a wonderful person excellent coach and very lucky to have him on staff i feel um having said that um, everybody in our roster has come to one of our camps. Um, it's a little different here than other camps. You know, I get a lot of questions, are you working this camp or that? And my response is, I don't, not because I don't want to, it's more because I'd rather be here at my camps where I feel the value is at if Carnegie Mellon is your top choices. Um, the other camps, I can't 
necessarily anticipate how much I'm going to work with an individual. We're here and I can guarantee them they're going to get, you know, basically now three, two days, half day, full day, half day of my undivided attention. And we've been, you know, it, it works. I mean, you know, it's, it's not a perfect system. I know players will fall through the cracks and go to other schools and be like, oh, how did they miss them? They were here. But, um, you know, we really feel like it's it's a it's it is the best way to see if they're a good fit soccer wise come to our camp because they actually get to work with us and see if we're a good fit for them as well. So, you know, I mean, you have a a unique challenge again in the fact that you got to find, you know, you're 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 a top program, so you're looking for the top soccer talent, but also the the top academic talent, right? And and. <laughs> You know, I'm sure it, it, it may be even harder for your 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 guys coach versus the girls coach because girls tend to, you know, just have that 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 grade focus a lot of times more often than not. But but how do you kind of manage, you know, when you're when you're at a camp or or at an event trying to figure out, okay, this is somebody who ticks all our boxes both on the field and off the field. Yeah, I mean, it's not easy. Uh, what I've tried to do over the past year or two is when they write me for the first time, ask them, what do they want to study? Um, again, I feel Carnegie Mellon is unique, maybe not from all schools, but most in that, like when you apply to Carnegie Mellon, you don't apply to Carnegie Mellon University, you apply to Tepper Business School, College of Fine Arts. So each school has a slightly different requirement academically. Um, you know, for instance, some are surprised when I tell them the requirements for Tepper. Um, they consider business a science here, so you they're asking that you take the highest level math and science courses for the most part that your school offers. Um, so that's a little more difficult to know exactly what classes they're taking. But so again, I try to get ahead of it when they first write me, "Hey, Coach Struble, I'm going to be in Tennessee this weekend," uh, and I'll respond if they don't already tell me, "What do you want to study here?" And then I can give them that information, and they can make a decision if they can take get those classes in before they graduate or not. So hearing from players earlier actually helps because then they can kind of shape how they're going to progress through their high school because every high school is a little different as well, what they offer and the timeline and how to do it. Uh, so I tr try to get ahead of that as best we can because, you know, I don't want them to come to camp. My job, I'm not trying to just take their money. I really want kids to come to camp that not only can play here potentially, but realistically can get in because it's not fair to them. I think well, thanks for coming to camp and thanks for your money, but you know, you can't get in, so sorry. So, like I said, I try to get ahead of that. And again, that's why we use camps to get to that soccer point and then say, okay, let's look at your transcripts, look at your test scores one last time before we take that next step. Okay. So, in terms of, um, you know, it looks like when you look at your roster, it's, it's very national, you know, you're, you're, you're everywhere. And it sounds like you're going to tournaments all over the country. Um, in, do you guys ever really look at the transfer portal? Anybody interested to say, Hey, we want to, we want to switch over to Carnegie Mellon or, or are you pretty much focused on, on the incoming freshmen? Um, yeah, I don't, we don't really go to the transfer portal because of the COVID waiver for the past two, three years, we've been getting, you know, graduates that are saying, hey, I'm going to look at grad school. For instance, we had two on the roster this year and they were wonderful. Um, uh, we, in addition to a third that stuck around for her fifth year, we had one that stuck around for a fifth year two years ago. And I think we're going to have one more this fall or next fall, hopefully. Um, but no, we don't really go to the transport because bluntly it's really hard to transfer as an undergrad. Um, if you haven't taken the classes and got the test scores, if you submit them in high school, then it's 
unlikely that you'll still get in now. Um, so unfortunately, the, the transfer rate is pretty low. Unless you're going to like institution, then it's a little different. But even then, it's, it, it's just very difficult. Not impossible, but difficult. So the grad students have the best chance right now because it's not undergrad where their classes are pretty full once they get through the admissions process. Okay. Well, I, I, I've, we were talking beforehand. I, I, 30 odd years ago, I, I spent six weeks at Carnegie Mellon. So I have a, 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 a taste for, for the school and, and it, it is awesome. And, um, but I think, folks usually know that it's also not not the cheapest school in the state of Pennsylvania or or in the country. So um and I'm not holding you to hard numbers here, but what 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 would somebody be looking at coming in? You know, you're you're these are high academic achievers who might be getting big time academic money somewhere else, but maybe not at Carnegie Mellon. Uh so what what is it what's just a normal kind of student athlete coming in on your team looking at in terms of of cost, what kind of financial aid, all that kind of stuff. Um, honestly, I don't talk money with families because my personal philosophy is really none of my business how much money I make, you know. And so that, and others will ask. I know, you know, prior coaches in the women's program here. One of the first questions they would ask is, "Can you afford it?" But I think it's a big turnoff, you know. At the end of the day, that's the family's decision, um, you know. And some will tell me, "Look, it's just too expensive." And I 100 percent respect that. You know, you have. I always tell them you have to put your pillow on your head at night and feel comfortable about your decision, specifically as we're talking about financially right now. So. Um, I would say they're across the board. You know, we have families that can write a check and we have families that really rely on the financial aid they get, which is need-based here. Um, I've had players apply for scholarships, you know, outside of Carnegie Mellon and come up with a pretty substantial amount of money. Um, as women engineers, as an example, you know, there's a lot of scholarships out there for them if they, you know, do some research and apply. So, you know, and then we have everything in between. Um, you know, the big thing we talk about in our admission talked about would be return on investment. Our return on investment at Carnegie Mellon is very high. You know, when our students graduate, they're, they're doing very well. You know, that's one thing I can put my head on the pillow at night and say, okay, I don't, I'm never compromising a player by recruiting them here. They just have to decide if it's the right fit. And like you said, can they afford it? Uh, and some can't. And, you know, uh, but I also find a lot of the players that look here are looking at like institutions that have um, similar financial aid, you know, uh, philosophies. So they kind of, they kind of know what they're getting into, I guess you could say. Um, and again, you know, if they can't, if it just comes down to they can't afford it. I respect them. I totally understand. Okay. Well, let's talk more about the school. I mean, I, obviously, I know a lot about it, but I'm sure there's folks who don't or are not even uh, know about the the history and, and the reputation. But you've been there a while now. Kind of, what are some awesome things that that you enjoy about Carnegie Mellon that your players enjoy? Maybe some things we wouldn't even know just by going through the website. Yeah, I mean, there's some fun traditions. You know, like. Uh, you know, a perfect example is the fence, right? So we have this painting of the fence and anybody can paint the fence, but there's some rules. Uh, so you have, you can't, you have to paint it after midnight. Um, you can't use spray paint. So you'll see sometimes just cans of paint set next to the fence. And to be clear, it's not a big, long fence. It's 30 feet long, maybe 40 feet long, um, but it's your traditional wooden post fence. Now, if you look at, at it, it looks like it's this enormous post, but they got, that's because there's so many layers of paint on it. Um, so student organizations will paint it, you know, based, you know, everything that's going on now around the world, you'll see, you know, political statements on there. As long as they're appropriate, they'll stay up. There has been inappropriate things put up there, um, that, you know, they've had to paint over, um, to keep your, your painting up there, whatever you decide to paint on there, colors, logos, etc. You have to have two people in this box around at all times. So like I've come in 
during preseason and there's people in tents. So they can constantly, so like, like a fraternity sorority is an example, constantly have people sleeping in these tents. So they always have somebody in there. So their sorority or fraternity organization stays on that fence for as long as they want. So it's pretty fun. It's pretty funny to see some of the things that they'll go through to keep their sign up, you know, keep their painting up there. Uh, there was one year where was, uh, an art student took a big chunk out of it. I'm talking like, you know, two feet long and like a, and a foot deep. It's, it's very thick paint. And, um, People are in uproar. You know, you, you messed up our fence. Um, you know, so that's a fun little one. You can't miss it. It's right in the middle. Um, and apparently it goes back to when Carnegie first started the school. It started off with CIT, Carnegie Institute of Technology, which is our engineering school. And then not so far away was a building called Margaret Morrison, which was more or less for the women. So CIT was supposed to be for the men, Margaret Morrison for the women. Um, again, the story is that when Carnegie Andrew was starting the school, his mom, uh, Margaret uh, said, "Look, you're going to do something for the men. You got to do something for the women." So it was a professional school for the women in Pittsburgh, and you wouldn't tell now, but again, apparently, there used to be this bit of a ravine that there was a bridge that would cross from the from CIT to Margaret Morrison. The students would hang out on that bridge and, I guess, watch the world go by. So when they took that bridge out, they put this fence up as kind of a memory of it, to kind of place to go and hang out by the fence and you know socialize. So you know, like, like I said, I think that's probably one of the most visible ones on campus that you know people see it they're like okay what's the story behind this and a lot of fun I, I painted the fence the summer of 94 so yes <laughs> i can get behind that yep 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 uh, uh, uh too too funny um well and and we talk about really the demand the the higher academic rigor right at, at carnegie mellon yep. and and you know going from high school to college and, and being a college athlete's hard as it is. Uh, I'm sure it's even harder at Carnegie Mellon. So really how, how do your students really balance the demands of both being an athlete and, and a high performing, uh, you know, in the classroom? Yeah, that's because of the reputation at Carnegie Mellon and because of, you know, what, what we're trying to achieve, you know, our dreams here uh, with the program. That's probably one of the questions I get asked most um, over the years. I've, kind of simplified it to soccer is the balance you know uh, there's a lot of schools out there similar to Carnegie Mellon very high rigor um, you know and my 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 personal feeling is to go to schools like this without something else is very difficult because you have no outlet you know we have a lot of wonderful international students here you know and I've talked to some of them because I teach soccer class uh, you know and they've been really good I'm like hey why don't you why don't you try it for the men's team you're fantastic I'm like I'm not allowed I'm here to go to school and that's it just that right um, because there's so much to experience at any college or university so um, like I said my personal feeling is it is the balance there's times where I've said to players you know you think okay you know you look a little stressed uh, you need to go study and sometimes they'll come up to me and say hey can I I've got three tests tomorrow I can't make practice today can I go I'm like absolutely no, that's why you're here but other times I've tried to send them home and they're like no I really need to get out and run around a little bit today I'm like well all right well if you need to leave early let me know uh, and, you know, they're pretty good about asking. So, you know, I, like I said, I really firmly believe it is a balance. You know, when you get on campus here, it's immediate family. You know, they're here to help you. They're here to support you. They're here to tutor you, you know, uh, guide you along. So, like I said, and I really believe it is the balance. Now, is it easy? No, like you said. Uh, but we have, a, you know, pretty tremendous support network within the university as well, which I, I know is very helpful for all of them. Um, but, you know, I think ultimately they all know that I know that they're here to go to Carnegie first soccer is you know kind of the icing on the cake uh and then if they need to miss something 
I completely understand. They, they know I support that. Okay. Well, let's take it back to, you know, maybe mid-October or something, middle heart of the season. Kind of walk, walk me through what a typical week would look like for a player in terms of when our classes, practice, meals, game cadence, all that kind of thing. What 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 would one be in for in a normal week? Yeah, I mean, October is conference, so that's fairly unique. You know, we're a pretty unique conference in that I think we're the only D3 conference that flies the games. Um, so I'll kind of weave that into that. So um, we're pretty lucky. You know, we have the, our guest on the football field, and then we have our soccer-specific soccer field. Uh, we share that with the men in the fall. So we obviously can't both practice at the same time. Uh, we do have a moratorium on classes from five to six. So we do have a small time block of time where there's no classes that are supposed to take place. So that's obviously the prime time. So we always want to take that time for training. Um, so if one team's practicing from five to seven, the other team will potentially practice from seven to nine. Uh, you know, and then, like I said before, you know, if somebody has a lab in the evening, which they do, they'll come late to practice, leave early. And in some cases, unfortunately, not to be able to make it that evening. Uh, now, in the event that we have too many that we feel is going to impact the quality of the practice will actually go in the morning. So we do have some morning practices. Uh, we usually do the, that morning practice the day after a day off. So you know, so they get to bed a little earlier. Uh, they kind of, I always tell everybody they have a lot of hate with morning practices. They hate to get it up, but it'll hit, it'll dawn. I'm like, Oh wow. I have all afternoon off. I can get some to eat, take a nap, get some homework done, you know, watch, you know, do a little something else. So, you know, I just said they have a love hate with it. Um, now, we, our conference kind of did a nice thing where we used to have double game weekends. You play on a Friday, Sunday, you do that twice. They did split that up, but um, we still have some of those throughout the fall. So we'll have one next fall. We'll be gone Thursday through Sunday. So we'll fly out Sunday to, actually, I can't even remember, but we'll fly out on a Sunday. I'm sorry, fly out on a Thursday, play Friday evening, uh, travel again Saturday, play Sunday, and then fly back home Sunday night. Uh, you know, non-conference, I do my best not to schedule games that are going to take them away from class. But obviously, with conference games like that, they're going to miss a little class. Um, thankfully, we have good relationships, you know, with deans and professors. So I proctor exams and quizzes on the road uh, frequently, almost every trip we take. So uh, they do, we do work well, with, you know, our, 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 the professors on campus. And so it allows, obviously, the students to take a little stress off. It's still stressful, but take a little stress off knowing that they can take it on the road. Um, you know, and team meals obviously are weaved into that. Uh, we, you know, we do have a wonderful uh, strength and conditioning staff. So they'll, during the fall, they'll lift twice a week. And in the spring, they'll lift three times a week. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, that's a typical week, um, you know, throughout the week. You know, we obviously have days off. Uh, we, we try to give them, you know, sporadically throughout the fall an extra day off from time to time so they have, you know, can really recover. Uh, but yeah, that, that's kind of, that's kind of a, a typical week. You know, nothing's, Nothing is exactly the same every week, but we do our best to work around players' schedules so they're not missing practice and they're not missing class. Okay. Well, let's talk a little bit more about the team. I know I mean, we were talking recruiting before, but is there a, is there a roster size that uh, that you're trying to hit each year you find is ideal? That's a tough one. You know, we, we were just having that conversation. You know, we have a lot of talented players here, but you know, obviously game day, there's only 11 that are truly happy. So we hover around 32. Uh, this year we're at 33, but, you know, we had some grad students come in and we felt we had the freedom. They were, were going to be positive influences, and they were, again, excellent. Um, you know, we toy with going a little lower. I think the challenge we have with 
the number is, uh, you know, I tell me we start with 32 and then usually I have three to four goalkeepers. So then that brings down obviously 28 field players. And unfortunately at any given time, we'll have one or two true injuries where they're out. Maybe somebody was hurt. They're just coming back. Somebody's sick. You know, they've got you know, freshmen tend to get sick on every campus in the country. Uh, and then you just have some again that are missing for class, you know, they, Again, that's why they're here. So we quickly go from 32 to 22 in one practice. And now we're like, hmm, can we play 11-11 today? I think so. So uh, so having a larger roster is, is pretty important uh, for all those reasons. Uh, so it seems daunting. So in terms of coaches, I mean, you mentioned Chris and, and that kind of thing. When we talk about roster size, but what about the roster coaches? Who do you have helping out? What are their roles? What about other staff maybe in the athletic department that help out with the team? What does that look like? Yeah, so there's myself, my the associate head coach, Chris Moraga. We have an excellent goalkeeper coach who, and frankly, can any given day take the program and run the session. You know, he's outstanding. Michael Zausig, uh, you know, our uh, our trainer, I can, you know, he's 100% part of our staff. You know, uh, Sal Vallejo, he's, we're pretty lucky to have him. He's been around at some major universities. So, uh, you know, so, so again, we have an excellent staff. I mean, again, our, mentioned earlier players are injured and he does everything he can to get them back in a healthy way and it's tough it's tough to get through it's a real you know it's a reality of college sports um you know we have um, the head of our strength and conditioning staff Al narrow he's excellent um we've now started to integrate more sports psychology Donato, which we're going to really utilize more of the spring as we become more involved um yeah, I mean, we got a you know, pretty deep staff, I think, and incredible support from our administration and what we're trying to achieve as a program and as an athletic department. Oh, awesome. Well, yeah. now you specifically, though, as, as, the, as the head gaffer here, what how would you describe kind of your style of coaching and, and the team style of play you're trying to implement there? Yeah, um, you know, I, I think I read this somewhere online. I think I, I'm, I'm tough but fair. You know, I, I would – Tell everybody I'm not an easy coach to play for. Um, and that, you know, I'm demanding. I mean, and it takes demands to you know, achieve, you know, the dream of winning a national championship. But, you know, I try to be fair with what we do. Um, not every, you know, it's, it's tough. Everybody has their perspective as a player. And I understand that, which is, you know, why I always say, uh, you know, it's so important to communicate, right? So try to encourage players to come talk to me when they're confused or have issues. And, some are better than others, and you know the ones that are better we move forward. You know the ones that find it difficult, it becomes difficult. Right? So, but yeah, I mean, like another, you know, like I stole this quote from somebody while I was in. You know, he said he looked at him. He said, you know, coaches are like a pitcher of water. You know, and the players are like a little shot glass. And we're just going to keep pouring that water in there, and some's going to stay in that glass, some's going to flow out, but hopefully the one, the parts that you need, stay in that glass. You know, and I'm, I kind of like that. So point being, you know, we give a lot of information. Um, looking back in the fall, this maybe a little too much information. So we're going to have to make some adjustments on that. But, uh, you know, we want players to continue to develop here. You know, I think some coaches have a philosophy of, you know, they should be technically sound by the time they get to college where, you know, we firmly believe we're going to continue to work on technical areas year round. Um, you know, others will maybe separate. Here's our starters. Here's our, you know, our, our bench players. But, you know, I firmly believe that everybody is equally as important. Um, so everybody's integrated in every session. We don't separate starters from non-starters. They're mixed in. Um, and don't get me wrong. There's certainly times like when we play 11-11 where, all right, we're going to take a look at the starting 11 and move players around from there. But, 
you know, try to be as equitable as I can. But at the end of the day, not everything's going to be fair and even, but, you know, we do our best. Okay. Well, we've talked about a lot. You really appreciate all the info you've given us. But uh, last question here, and that's if there was one piece of advice, one nugget of information you wish all parents, players, families going through this recruiting process knew, what would that be? Um, I'm going to kind of, uh, uh, well, number one, they should probably know that for Division three programs, they can communicate at any time. Uh, that's probably the, one of the biggest things I get a lot of players is that, you know, I know you can't talk to us yet. I'm like, well, actually, we can talk to you anytime. And having said that, I, you know, along, and along with that would be, you know, players should reach out. You know, they, they should be the ones communicating. They should be the ones making the email, you know, whatever, where they're communicating personal, you know, dear coach, I'm interested in university because it's a good school and you have a good soccer program. It's a little generic and tells me that you're writing that same email to 100 people, 200 some cases. Um, you know, so be specific and, you know, and because, you know, we read your emails, at least I do, and, you know, I try to give some feedback as best I can based on those emails. So, you know, we want to make sure that you're writing to us you know, for just because you've seen our school on a list somewhere or you've heard we have a good computer science program, like why else are you interested in any university? There's got to be some depth to why you're interested, and I think that goes for any school. Couldn't agree more. Well, Coach, really appreciate the time. Wish you the best of luck you. Uh, to you and all your coaches on your recruiting trips this weekend. Uh, and if you get down to Bradenton for any of the events down here, uh, Lakewood Ranch, Florida area, give me a shout. We'll, uh, we'll grab a cup of coffee or something, all right? Sounds great. All right. Thanks, Coach. Thank you. Hi, everybody. It's Matt from Discover College Soccer. I hope you're enjoying the podcast, whether that's on YouTube or your favorite podcast platform. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button. I also wanted to let you know about the Discover College Soccer Study Table. This is our brand new online portal that is complete with a 14-part online course giving you all of the ins and outs of the college soccer recruiting process. There's also a wealth of resources such as checklists, templates there's the spreadsheets that have every soccer program in the country along with their coaches their contact information their social media information uh, some basic stats about the school and more plus there's an online community where you can ask your questions share your wins your losses any questions that you may have around the college soccer recruiting process it's all there at the discover college soccer study table that you can find at discovercollegesoccer.com study table and hopefully we will see you there.